Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, April 11th. Coming up, the Missouri House has passed a budget that leaves $2 billion or more unbudgeted. And some lawmakers aren't too happy about that. I'm alarmed that we left that much sitting on the table, particularly as we send the budget now over to the Senate, uh, who we know have been really reckless. We'll talk with a leading House Democrat about the programs that this budget pays for and what's been left on the cutting room floor. But first, it's our weekly roundup of state government and politics on both sides of the state line. And on both sides of the state line, the news is redistricting. A trial challenging the new Kansas congressional map approved by lawmakers will likely wrap up today in a Wyandotte County court. The court will hear final testimony from the attorneys defending the map before a judge makes his decision. Last week, critics of the map argued Republican lawmakers drew congressional districts that carve up racially diverse voters and Democratic strongholds. Political scientists showed analysis supporting that argument, but attorneys defending the map say there's no standard in state law for gerrymandering, so there's no way to prove it occurred. Attorney Sharon Brett is one of the critics. The evidence has been clear. This map, the Ad Astra 2 map, is a partisan and a racial gerrymander in violation of the Kansas state constitution. The judge's ruling is expected in the next couple of weeks. No matter the result, it's likely to continue to the Kansas Supreme Court. The courts are also at the center of the redistricting debate in Missouri. That's because the House and Senate have approved two different congressional maps and show no sign of being able to resolve their differences, even as the filing deadline for candidates in those districts has come and gone. As Jason Rosenbaum reports, both parties have gone to court, but there's dispute over whether state judges even have the power to draw new maps. Legislators are still deadlocked on how to redraw Missouri's eight congressional districts. And lawyers representing Democratic and Republican interests filed lawsuits in state court over the issue, contending having elections based on the old lines violates the Missouri Constitution. But Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft notes that the legislature, not judges, have the authority to overhaul congressional districts. They don't just get to decide we're going to do something we don't have the authority to do. I don't get to decide that I'm suddenly going to be able to pull people over like I'm a highway patrolman. I'm not. Federal courts have redrawn congressional districts, but Ashcroft says there's questions over whether they'd intervene this year with an election looming. Last week, the Missouri House passed the budget for the upcoming year. They do this every year in a series of 15 or so bills that cover different areas of state spending. Together, they added up to about $46.5 billion. Representative Ingrid Burnett of Northeast Kansas City joined me to take a deeper dive into those numbers. She's part of the Democratic leadership in the House and sits on the Budget Committee. I asked her what she thought of the work she and her colleagues had done. My overall impression is that it really is not a bad budget. It's one of the best budgets we've had since I certainly since I've been here. And it was much more bipartisan crafted than we have seen since I've been on the Budget Committee. And I can't tell you how gratifying that is to kind of be at that place with the members across the aisle who trust you, who are willing to trust and, and believe that you have credibility. So let's talk a little bit about what goes into that budget. About 42 percent goes to social services and health and senior services and mental health. 
maybe 24% or so goes to uh, elementary and secondary education. Uh, a lot of that money is sort of set uh, according to federal money that is already coming into the state. But there's some flexibility in those areas and others, like public safety and transportation. What are the most significant parts of this budget as you see it? I think the most significant parts of this budget are, of course, it's always going to be education because that's our, aside from our debt. And by the way, uh, we paid off all of our debt in this budget. And I, uh, I think that's a really exciting place. I think it's something we couldn't have done without this, these extra funds uh, that came in from the federal government. Thank you, President Biden. Because I asked that question on the budget committee, does this mean that we won't have any expenditures in the budget bill one, which is paying off our, our debt next year? And um, I got an affirmative answer on that, that we are, we are done. We have paid off our debt, and I am really proud of that. So that's not a big piece of the budget. But it's a, certainly a piece that causes anxiety for a lot of taxpayers and the you know fiscal conservative residents in our state. Well, in fact, um, not only have you paid yeah. off the debt, but but there's in fact a big surplus in this budget. Uh, the Missouri Constitution. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it requires a balanced budget, um, which is to say, spending cannot exceed revenues. But on the contrary, this budget that was passed, uh, depending on which estimates you use for how much revenue there will be, has a surplus of maybe between two and three and a half billion dollars. Uh, how did that happen? Well, a number of things came into play on that, 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 as I understand it. First of all, you'll recall that last year we moved the revenue from fiscal year 21 to fiscal year 22 um, when it came to the deadline for people to pay their personal income taxes, right? So that's part of it. Beyond that, we are seeing higher revenues coming in from our from our taxes. People are kind of shaking their heads trying to figure out how we did that with the pandemic. But I think, again, that is partially due to the safeguards that were put in by the relief funds that came in from the federal government that allowed businesses to stay open and operating and pivoting to a new way of delivering their product. Well, and in fact, uh, the surplus, well, I think generally people think that's good news. Uh, there are many who are questioning that decision to leave so much of that money on the table. There were a number of programs that were proposed, even by Republican Governor Mike Parson, that have gone unfunded in this budget, uh, including $22 million or so to increase the minimum teacher pay to $38,000. That was defeated by the House. Uh, half a billion dollars in, in federal stimulus funds that the governor wanted to use, but the House did not. Uh, there was an effort to restore hundreds of millions of dollars to higher education that had been cut a few years ago during leaner times. That wasn't approved. What do you make of this? Should should the House have actually spent more money? Absolutely. I, I, I fall in that camp uh, with both feet. I, I'm alarmed that we left that much sitting on the table, particularly as we send the budget now over to the Senate, who we know have been really reckless uh, this year with some of the members. And it looks like it gives them permission to use those funds. They tap into the entire revenue stream when they take our budget and decide how they're going to modify it. And that leaves at least 
two billion on the table for them, or close to two billion on the table for them to direct toward things like you know projects back in their home districts, as opposed to funding those essential things that we have not been funding and could be funding now, like the transportation for the schools and the teacher pay increase. Yes, there are a number of things that we could have done with these funds that would would help increase the public safety and health and well-being. Housing is another big piece that we missed. The arts um, and the art and entertainment venues is another big piece that we missed that we could we could have put adequate funding toward and didn't because of this kind of miserly attitude among our some of our House budget members. We should note that in this bill and the many bills that are on their way over to the Senate and that they'll be considering in the coming weeks, there there is a lot of money in there, including for some new programs. Uh, there's at least one new building or renovation funded on each of the state university campuses. There's $411 million to improve water infrastructure. There's $275 million for broadband infrastructure. Are we entering a, a new period in the state of being willing to spend money on some of these items? Oh, no. I think there is some appetite, particularly around the broadband access. That's that's becoming more and more a critical issue when it comes to economic development. Also, we have uh, in our state departments, we've got systems that are 40 years out of date. Another big effort that I think we have a really strong appetite for, and I'm happy to see, is developing a system that will allow Missourians to access government through one portal that will then communicate across all the departments. So, for example, if you are opening up a new business, and you need to do business. You need to do paperwork with DOR, and then you need to do paperwork with professional registrations. Um, those systems will communicate with each other and allow you to move back and forth pretty seamlessly. You're serving as a Democrat in the House. That can be a frustrating experience, I know, for many of your <laughs> colleagues. Uh, yes. I mean, do do you feel like you've been able to accomplish much in this term, even with the kind of the super minority status of Democrats? Yeah, I do. I, I you know, we don't always get uh, our bills or our funding uh, requests through uh, with our name put on it. And I, I was able to work with the budget chair to put another $250,000 into the school safety grants and uh, another 150000 into the Missouri Fine Arts and Scholars Academy, which... Um, is a, a program for our gifted kids across the state. Um, working with departments, I have done some work with MoDOT to um, address uh, some of the challenges with the um, homeless um, kinds of activities that go on underneath the bridges and also to um, move the designation of 24 Highway from Independence Avenue over to 70. Um, there are, yes, there are things that you are, that I am able to do um, as long as I keep my ego out of the way. Well, that's that's never been a challenge for lawmakers in, in the past. <laughs> the House has cranked out many bills uh, in this session, many of which you have opposed or voted against. They make their way over to the Senate where there has been a, a 
a remarkable lack of progress on a lot of bills. Are you concerned about the slow pace at which things are happening in the Senate? Or in a way, are you glad because uh, bills that you don't support are less likely to make it through? I Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's kind of a mixed bag. I'm concerned about getting the budget out in time. That, that has to, we have to get that done. And I hate it that the budget could possibly be held hostage to some of these political ideological disagreements that are going on and that we have some senators who are willing, for example, to hold the congressional redistricting hostage. That's another mixed bag for me. I think Democrats are, are much more likely to either not be harmed or gain uh, if the, if that ends up going to the courts to be drawn. Uh, Republicans have a lot more risk there. And we have a few senators who are willing to just hold everything hostage until unless they get their very extreme demands met. That was Representative Ingrid Burnett, the Missouri House Democratic Caucus Chair. She represents Northeast Kansas City. This is Kansas City Today, a KCUR Studios podcast produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. Don't forget to visit KCUR.org for up-to-the-minute coverage of Missouri and Kansas politics all week long. Tomorrow, Nomeen Ujiadeen will be back and we'll learn about the enduring impact of lead poisoning in Midwest households. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening. <laughs>